We are continuing today in our creatively titled series, the First Samuel series. And uh, we come today to 1 Samuel 17 and one of the most famous stories in the Bible, the story of David and Goliath. Now, I have long thought that Hollywood was sort of missing the boat by not taking some of those uh, Bible stories, especially the Old Testament stories, and turning them into big budget movies. They, they need big budgets uh, to do these right. Uh, of course, we're getting ready to see Noah come to the big screen, and uh, I personally am very excited about that. I, I know there's some type of controversy that supposedly they're not getting all the details just right, but uh, I'm excited to see it anyway. Uh, but there are so many Bible stories that I think would just be great to see uh, on the big screen. And I'm hoping for more of those in the future. And the story of David and Goliath, I think, would just be great uh, to be a big budget uh, movie. Uh, you know, the Bible miniseries covered the story of David and Goliath. And I really like the Bible miniseries. But I thought they could have done David and Goliath a little, little better just between you and me. So... Anyway, I'm hoping for a David and Goliath movie. I'm thinking maybe Ridley Scott or Mel Gibson or someone like that uh, would do it. So who's with me? All right. Write, write, a, write a movie studio this week. Tell them you want David and Goliath. But lacking a big budget movie about David and Goliath, I have decided to act out the story for you today. Um, in a one-man show, I'll be playing all the parts and I've been working on my Philistine accent uh, quite a bit, so I'm excited about this. Not really. So, uh, it is a great story, but not only is it a great story, it's a story full of spiritual insight. Full of spiritual insight. Uh, the story takes up the entire 17th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel, and it's rather long. There are uh, 58 verses in the chapter. And here in a few minutes, we're going to read verses 24 through 51, if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles. I think we'll also be showing it on the screen behind me. And uh, I am again today going to be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version of the Bible. Uh, once we've read through the, uh, the chapter, through those verses, I want to share with you for hopefully just a few minutes um, four things that we find in the text that David knew that made it possible for him to, to be willing to volunteer to fight Goliath, made it possible for him to be willing to approach and engage Goliath with great confidence, even though if you're familiar with the story at all, you know that David was ridiculously uh, overmatched. And so I've titled today's message, David versus Goliath, What David Knew. The 17th chapter opens um, with the Philistine army and the army of Israel encamped against each other on opposite mountains with a valley between them. They're preparing to go to battle with each other. And one of the Philistines' warriors, a champion from Gath, the Bible calls him, came out into the valley and, uh, between the two uh, armies and he issued a challenge to the Israelite army. His challenge was for Israel to pick one of their fighting men to meet him in the valley and engage him in one-on-one -on -one combat. And the winner would secure the victory for their respective army and 
nation. So Goliath offers that if the Israelite warrior is to defeat him, then the Philistines will serve the Israelites. But if Goliath defeats the Israelite warrior, then they would become the servants of the Philistines. Now, this was a a fairly common thing. People who know tell us uh, for that time, uh, known by various names, single combat is one of the names for this. So Goliath is issuing a challenge to Israel to pick a man to come and engage in single combat with the winner securing victory for his army and his nation. And we're told that Goliath came out in the valley for 40 straight days. And he issued this challenge 40 straight days and no one on Israel's side was willing to go out and engage in single combat with him. Verse 11 tells us that when Saul and all Israel heard this challenge from Goliath, they were, quote, dismayed and greatly afraid. And with good reason. The story tells us, the text tells us, that Goliath was over nine feet tall. So Shaquille O'Neal plus two to two and a half feet. Wow. His body armor alone weighed 125 pounds. The shaft of his spear, we're told, was like a weaver's beam, and the, the tip of the spear weighed 15 pounds. It was like having a shot put out on the end of a spear. How, how many of us, uh, besides myself, could, could really do such a thing? <laughs> this was a... Uh, a frightening man. This was a battle-hardened man. This was a man with a reputation. This was a man whose previous exploits caused him to approach this with great confidence that he could defeat any man that Israel put out in front of him. And Israel agreed with him about that. So no one stepped forward to take his challenge. Enter David to the story. David wasn't even a part of Saul's army at this point. David was still a shepherd boy. But he had some brothers in the army, and his father Jesse was concerned about the brothers. And so he asked David to take some food to his brothers and to check up on their condition and to report back to him if they were doing okay. So David did as he was instructed, and when he arrives on the scene... Uh, he he uh, is told that um, uh, the, what's been going on, he sees that the, the armies are starting to fight out in the valley a little bit, and he arrives just when a group of warriors are getting ready to go down into the valley and join the fight. And so as David observes this scene, we're told that Goliath stepped out from the ranks of the Philistines at you can imagine how this is, is going on. And uh, he, he steps out from these skirmishes that are going on. And he once again issues a challenge. It's almost like he's saying, you know, we could avoid all this if you guys would just do what I've been challenging you to do. And so he issues the same challenge that he previously issued for 40 straight days. The only difference being this time David heard him. And this leads us up to the point of our text. So let's pick up the story at verse 24 
Uh, I'll read. It's a fairly lengthy section, but I'll read. You follow along uh, as I do. So again, David has now heard Goliath's challenge. Verse 24. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Uh, I I mean, that's pretty good stuff right there. And yet nobody had been willing uh, to step up. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him and toward another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now, you have to appreciate what's happening here. The shepherd boy has arrived on the scene where all of the warriors have been cowering in fear for 40 days. The shepherd boy says these words. Do not fear. I'll take care of it. What what would you have thought if you were Saul? And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. He said what all of us would have said. There's no way this will not This will not work. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, "'Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks?' And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. He, um, 
The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand." When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David." Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. So for 40 days, all the fighting men of Israel, including King Saul, himself more physically imposing than any man in Israel, we found out when he was selected as king. All of them had cowered before Goliath. Now here's David, not even a part of the army, only in the story because God's, or Jesse, his father, sent him to check on his brothers. He hears the challenge from Goliath one time, only one time, and he volunteers to accept Goliath's challenge. Why? Why would David do what no one else would do. At least part of the answer to that is that David knew some things that the rest of the men of Israel did not know or perhaps had known at one time and then forgotten or perhaps they knew it in an agnostic sort of way. They thought that maybe, perhaps, it might be but they didn't know it in a truly deep down in their being, in a true knowing sort of way. And so for the next few minutes, what I want to do is I want to look at four things that David knew that caused him to be willing to do what others were unwilling to do, and that is to face Goliath. First of all, David knew his enemy. On some level, all of the men of Israel knew their enemy. At least they knew all they needed to know to know that they didn't want to fight him. They knew he was big. They knew he was strong. They knew he was the Philistine champion. They knew that he was fierce. They knew enough to know that they were scared. They knew their enemy. They knew some things about their enemy. And David knew all of these things about Goliath. We should not think that David was willing to do this because he was somehow delusional. I mean, it's not like he had poor eyesight and he thought Goliath was really four foot eleven. That that's not how it was. David knew all the things that everybody else knew about Goliath, but he knew more than what the others knew. He was in touch with some knowledge about Goliath 
that the others weren't in touch with. So look again at verse 26. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? And then this great line, this next line, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Do you hear the same thing in that that I hear? I hear in that just absolute incredulity in David's voice. He is not afraid of Goliath. He can't believe Goliath has had the audacity to come against the armies of Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You know, circumcision was the sign of being in covenant with God. And so David is basically saying, how can someone who is not even in covenant with God dare to challenge the armies of Israel who are in covenant with God? Israel belongs to the living God. The only gods that the Philistines serve are gods that they made with their own hands. Idols that are powerless To help them. So, what David realizes that others don't is that all Goliath has going for himself is himself. That's all he has going, his physical strength. David realizes that there is no God on Goliath's side. Goliath thinks it's him versus the best fighting men or man that Israel has. David knows that in reality the battle is Goliath with no God, against Israel, with the living God. Goliath has sized up the men of Israel and assumes he has the advantage. What David knew about the enemy that the others didn't is that Goliath has not considered all the factors about coming against Israel. What David knows that the others don't is that Goliath is on the wrong side because he is on the side of Without God, he is on the side opposing God. What David knows that the others don't is that Goliath is actually a fool to think that he has the advantage. David isn't afraid. David is incredulous. How can Goliath be this foolish to defy the armies of the living God? You know, I wish that more of us approached the enemies in our lives the way that David approached Goliath. I wish that more of us felt about the enemies in our lives the way that David felt about Goliath. I wish that when we're confronted with seemingly unbeatable foes, we would think like David. You see, friend, the truth is there is never an enemy we face in life that is any match For our God. Now, there are many enemies that are more powerful than we are, all kinds of them, but none of them are more powerful than the God that we serve. David knew Goliath didn't realize he was really fighting against God. And I wish that more of us would believe deep down in our being. That no matter how the enemy comes against us, we do not face the giants of our lives alone. We face them with the living God as our defender.
David knew his enemy and David knew his God. He had a history with God that had built up his confidence in God. Look at verses 34 through 37. After Saul tries to dissuade David from fighting Goliath by pointing out that he's just a youth with no fighting experience, David tells him why he's confident that he can fight Goliath. Here's his reasoning. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him. Now that's different than most people right there. I would just let the lion and the bear go. Nice knowing you, Fluffy the lamb. Uh, but, but David went after the lion and the bear. Uh, and he struck them and delivered the lamb out of their mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, now here's the thing. David was under no illusion that he had done any of this on his own. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. First of all, David knew that he served a living God. David knew that that living God cared about him. David knew that God was aware of him. David knew that God was aware every time that David came into a threatening situation. And David had a personal history of God not only knowing the threats that he faced, but actually delivering him from those threats. David understood that God is not aloof. David understood that God is not uninvolved in our lives. David knew that God isn't the agnostic's conception of God. That if there is one, we really can't know him. He's really not involved with us. He's up there. He's not engaged with us down here. David knew God personally. David knew God cared, knew that God was aware, and had actually seen God intervene in his life's circumstances. David knew that not only did God care about him, but he cared about his people Israel. He knew their situation, and he knew that God was able and willing to intervene and deliver them. Many of you here today know God like David did. You know him personally. You know he loves you. You know he cares about you. You've seen him intervene in your life circumstances. Some of us here today, though, are more like the army uh, of Israel. We, we feel as though we're kind of on our own. We're not clued into the fact that our living God is engaged in the circumstances of our lives. Our prayer for us here today is that we would know God like David knew him. That each one of us here today would know that God is not aloof. That he did not just start the world spinning on its axis and then step away and leave us to ourselves. My prayer is that each one of us would know that he loves us, that he knows us, that he cares about us, that he's aware of our circumstances, and that he'll even intervene 
in our circumstances. David knew his enemy. David knew his God. And David knew his own abilities. Once Saul agreed to let David go and face off against Goliath, we we read about Saul trying to clothe David in his own armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head, uh, put a coat of mail on him, and, and David strapped his sword on. And the Bible says that he tried to go, but it was in vain, for he had not tested these things. And so David said to Saul, you know, I'm sorry, but I just can't do this. I have not tested uh, these weapons. And so David took them off. He took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the brook, put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, his smooth stones, his staff, and he approached the Philistine that way. Saul was offering David his own armor. He was trying to get David to face Goliath the way that Saul would have faced Goliath. Heavy armor. But David didn't have experience with heavy armor. He had experience with a sling and smooth stones. That's what he had experience with. What Saul was offering, David had no history with. But a sling and some smooth stones, David had experience with those things. These things were tested. David's skill with a sling and smooth stones had been tested in real-life situations. And those real-life situations had allowed David to gain confidence in his ability with a slingshot. David knew his gifts. David knew his own abilities. And so when he was confronted with a challenge, he knew what his strengths were, and he wanted to approach the battle with the things uh, that, that were a strength for him, that were an advantage for him. The church needs every single believer to know their gifts and their abilities and to bring them to the battle. To use their gifts for God's glory. How do you do that? Well, we try to make things much too complicated, in my opinion. There are gift discovery assessments that you can do. We've occasionally done those in various classes we've offered here at the church and uh, we may do more of those in the future they can be very helpful but friends you don't really need in my opinion is you don't really need a gift discovery assessment to figure out what your gifts are if you're not sure how god has gifted you for service within the body of christ and honestly i believe this applies to any endeavor in life where you need to know what your strengths are I have just a couple of simple suggestions that I think will go a long way to helping you discover how God has uniquely wired you. First, ask God. Ask God. What have you uniquely wired me to do? Second, ask yourself, what am I good at? What do I know I'm good at? And give special attention to the things you think you're good at and others have confirmed you're good at. (laughs) Don't be like the American Idol contestant (laughs) who thinks they can sing because nobody had the heart to tell them they can't. 
Don't be like that. Honestly assess, what am I good at? And you know you're on the right track when someone else, usually not your mom, usually someone else, (laughs) has also told you you're good at that thing. Okay, those are two things. Then here's the third one. Then do something. Do something. Just do something. And see what happens. There's a great little book that Kevin DeYoung wrote. And it's about the paralysis that Christians face in trying to seek God's will and figure out what they ought to do for God. And the title of the book is Just Do Something. Just do something and see what happens. At some point, you just have to step out, try, and see. And you learn through doing that. David was confident of the sling and stones because he had tried them and he had found success in using them. You know, we're often tempted to think that we can't do anything without some extensive coursework designed by a world-class professional in their field. And so too many of us fail to learn what our gifts are because we're waiting on someone else to assess us and unlock the hidden potential within us. Can I tell you, you don't need any of that. Ask God. Evaluate what you're good at and others have confirmed and then just do something. You learn what your gifts are in the arena of testing, in the arena of trying, in the arena of trying. David had done this, and so he knew where his abilities uh, were. David knew his gifts. But here's something really important to note, and something that all of us, once we do discover how God has wired us and what gifts he's given us, something that we need to keep in mind. David knew that his gifts were simply tools in God's hands. What he knew was, just as he was holding a sling, the weapon in his hand, so God was holding him. The sling was a tool in his hand. He was a tool in God's hand that God had chosen to pick up to defeat Goliath and deliver his people. He knew that victory did not depend on his gifts, but victory depended on God. God would use his gifts, but it would be God's using of his gifts that would bring the victory. All God needs is our willingness to let him use our gifts for his glory. He doesn't need us to feel like we have to use our gifts to secure victory. He secures the victory, working through us and the gifts that he has given us. David knew this. He knew that the battle did not rest on him. He knew that even though he was physically walking out to fight Goliath, he knew that victory was not dependent on him. Because he knew that really the battle wasn't between Goliath and David The battle was between Goliath and the living God. David knew his enemy, knew his God, knew his gifts. And David knew that the battle was the Lord's. That the battle belonged to the Lord. As David approached Goliath and Goliath approached him, we're 
told that Goliath looked, he saw David, and, quote, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. Here's what I think that's telling us. Goliath looked at him and saw someone who looked really soft. He didn't have the scars of a warrior. And Goliath was insulted. He's insulted, but his confidence surges even more. And so he says, come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beast of the field. And then David delivers one of the best lines that has ever been delivered in literature anywhere. It reminds you of some of the best lines ever delivered in the most testosterone-filled movies you have ever watched. (laughs) Think of Maximus before Commodus uh, in The Gladiator. It's that kind of quality, which is good because it's the Bible. So we would expect such things from the Bible. David responds, you come, he says, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beast of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hand. Notice that David doesn't say, you come to me with a a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you with a sling and five smooth stones. I come to you with a wooden staff and a fair complexion. He, He doesn't say any of that. He doesn't say that because even though he was comfortable with his weapon of choice, though he had a history with and knew that this was the best way for him to fight, his confidence was not in the sling and the stone. His confidence was in the Lord. So what he comes at Goliath Goliath with really is just the name of the Lord of hosts whom Goliath had defied. He has a sling and stones. The sling and one of those stones is going to fell Goliath. But that's not what David is trusting in. He is trusting in the name of the Lord. And he knows that Goliath is finished because Goliath has had the audacity to defy the living God. David knew what we would do well to know. The Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. When you're facing an enemy that wants to take you out, and all of us face those kind of enemies, you are not alone. 
You are not facing that enemy only with your own resources. You don't have to fight only with man-made weapons. When you are on God's side, when you are walking in covenant with the God of the universe, when the enemy comes, you're in the battle, but the battle doesn't really belong to you. The battle is the Lord's, and he will give you the victory, like he did David. David reached down into his bag. He took out a stone. He put it in his sling. And he launched it at this fearsome warrior, Goliath. And that stone went like a heat-seeking missile to the center of Goliath's forehead. The Bible says, I just love how graphic the Bible describes this, that the stone sank into Goliath's forehead and he fell face down on the ground. And then David goes over, he takes Goliath's own sword from him, and he cuts off Goliath's head, kills him, and then cuts off his head. And when the Philistines see that their champion is dead, they fled. Israel pursued, and God gave them the victory. I love verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. There was no sword in the hand of David. God gave David the victory. David knew his enemy. David knew his God. David knew his own abilities. And David knew that the battle was the Lord's. My prayer for this church today is that each one of us here would know what David knew. That we would know our enemy. Yes, that we would recognize that he is strong, that he's powerful, that he's stronger than we are. But that we would understand that our enemy is no match for our God. And that we would have an attitude like David that would just be incredulous. Like, what? Are you kidding me? You're defying the armies of the living God? You're coming against me? I, I belong to Jesus. I've been purchased with the blood of Christ. Who do you think you are coming against me like this? My prayer is that we would know our enemy, that we would really know our God. One of my big prayers from this message today is that we would recognize his hand of care and blessing in outcomes that we often attribute to chance. Luck. Whew, it just turned out that way. Nothing just turns out that way. God is in control. That we would know that. That we would have an awareness like David, that even when we figuratively have a victory, kill a lion and a bear figuratively, that it was really God who delivered us. And so our confidence in him would grow. My prayer is that we would know our gifts and abilities. But that what we would know most about them 
is that we aren't to trust them. Our confidence isn't in our abilities. Our confidence is in our God. That we would understand that just as our gifts are tools in our hands, our lives are instruments in God's hands. And he picks us up and he uses us. He wields us to accomplish his purposes. And that we would know that we don't fight on our own. The battle isn't really ours. Even when the enemy is in front of us, the battle is always the Lord's. He will. And really, the fact is, he has given us the victory. There are some little skirmishes here and there that the outcome can be up in the air. But when we're talking about the big picture battle, he has given us the victory. From our perspective, living on this side of the coming of Christ, here's what we know. That even when life gives us the worst it can give us, and we are touched by that horrible enemy called death, through Christ, we are still victorious. Because through Christ, death has lost its sting, and the grave has lost its victory. Amen. Amen. May we know what David knew. And knowing that, may our confidence in God soar, grow really big in our lives. Why don't you stand?